It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, the bottom of the hour, he's going to be running for governor uh, against uh, the sitting governor. And let's see how type of success he's having. Also with Beto O'Rourke in the fray. How is he going to respond to that? We have not really positioned. We have not really talked to him about that. Uh, Also, uh, we do want to talk about uh, other breaking news. The president has just decided to tap into the strategic oil reserve and put out, I think, 50 million barrels. Evidently, that sounds like a lot, but it's three days. Three days. And it's got to be replaced. But with oil this high, it's going to cost us so much more. How does that save money? And is this really an emergency Does an arsonist get credit for putting out a fire that they started? Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There were reports that President Biden was telling allies that he is going to run for re-election in 2024. Can you confirm, is he going to run in 2024? Is he telling staff that? Yes, that's his intention. Wow, it doesn't sound like she's too convinced. He says he's running. Joe Biden tells all all he will run for another term, even allies. Do you believe it? Panic among Dems as polls show America's done with them. Is this a temporary dip or are they primed for a 2022 knockout? Number two. These liberal prosecutors are basically treating even violent criminals like this guy, a repeat offender, a rapist, a child rapist, as no kind of threat to the public. But what we have here is these people treating bail as a get-out-of-jail-free permanently card. Harmeet Dillon weighing in. He was violent, remorseless, and a career criminal. And because leftist DAs would not keep him behind bars, five are dead, six children are critical condition, and over 40 are wounded. A holiday parade ended up in a bloody, multiple murder. He, we will explain, but we will not defend. Number one. Where were the police? I didn't really think they got the support they needed. The National Guard should have been called August 23rd, but the city of Kenosha failed. Their, the community. Um, the governor, Tony Evers, failed the community, and there should have been a lot more resources to help with that. Uh, here you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse speaks out, and, I'm so, and I am sold. He did what he had to do, and he was there because the governor kept his cops back and the National Guard out. You'll hear, and you will decide. I could not be more impressed with Kyle Rittenhouse, and, and I, this is really two number one stories today. Uh, because the Waukesha story and the 39-year-old criminal who's been in and out of prison since 1999, committing the most horrific acts possible, out on $500 bail, and then prior to that, $1,000, and he does exactly what put him in there. He ran over his would-be girlfriend, ran over her, and then he decides, I'm going to go run over a bunch of people at a parade. This is the—if if it was just one story— I would think it would be just one day. Horrific. Nothing would ever explain it. One mistake. Got caught up in the system. But what do we see in San Francisco? Mass looting expeditions. This is like a field trip. Did you see some of this video? Do you see what's going on in New York City? you see what's going on at Rikers Island? Do you see what's going on with the cops? They can't keep anyone in jail because these judges have their hands tied by this no-cash-bail movement. 
And this is the bigger picture that even laces in the Kyle Rittenhouse story. If the cops are allowed to do their job, if a governor wasn't so concerned about politics, he would have allowed National Guard troops to go in, federal troops that the President Trump offered at the time to go in, you would need Kyle Rittenhouse on day three protecting a used car lot, cleaning off graffiti himself. I could not be more impressed with him. And to me, he's 18 years old. He spent 80-plus days. I wasn't even fully aware of this. 80-plus days in prison. He thought he was totally innocent. Thank goodness there was video, or he would have been over. But the one thing that I've said, he said, that we agree on, if you have a problem with the verdict, watch the trial. Cut one. A lot of people are like, oh, Kyle had time to meet with his attorneys to come up with this amazing defense of self-defense. No, that's not the case. This has been 100% self-defense from the beginning. And I didn't know there was 100 cameras. I knew I was, but I did know I was attacked and I defended myself. I thought they came to the correct verdict because it wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Wisconsin. It was the right to self-defense on trial. And if I was convicted, no one would be able no one would ever be privileged to defend their life against attackers. And thank God they came to the correct verdict of a not guilty. Tell me, is he, does he sound like some kid that is just walking around shooting people? Here's he described the scene, cut to. Where were the police? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure really because I, they have a hard job. Um, for sure. But... I didn't really think they got the support they needed. The National Guard should have been called August 23rd, but the city of Kenosha failed their the community. Um, the governor, Tony Evers, failed the community, and there should have been a lot more resources to help with that. Yeah, no kidding. He turned it down. So with nothing or nobody around, he goes through intricately how he ended up in this incident. Hit with a skateboard, knocked to the ground, uh, actually attacked. Someone had a gun. The glass guy that got shot in the arm had a gun about to shoot him. He shot him first. Uh, he didn't cock back to do it. He was clearing uh, cartridge. So, so much it would happen. He was 100% right. And this is self-defense. In the big picture, it isn't Kyle Rittenhouse. Is should you be able to defend yourself? And also reportedly, and I don't think it's a small thing. Many other people were there, including rioters with guns, not just Kyle Rittenhouse. It was self-defense, and the best defense witnesses was the prosecution witnesses. So I thought that was uh, very well done yesterday. Evidently, uh, Tucker Carlson will have uh, a special of the whole trial. He had cameras with him as much as possible during the entire trial uh, of Kyle Rittenhouse. So that's going to be coming out on Uh, Fox Nation. But I think everyone's got to stop using this guy. I think all these gun owners got to stop talking about him. Right wing people don't use him as a political uh, uh, cudgel and left wing don't use him as a a political enemy. This isn't white supremacy. There's no race involved in this. What there is is prosecution malpractice, whether it's the pixelated video that was actually high def video that we could have saw that would help exonerate him that was later captured, whether it was MSNBC trailing the jury bus to intimidate them to think that maybe they're going to end up on television, have their lives ruined if they voted this guy innocent. Thankfully that they did, that got them banned from the courtroom. 
or whether it was everyone running rampant saying this is another example of white supremacy and a need for police reform, which just wasn't the case. I think he has got to sue all these people from Joe Scarborough on down. And I'm going to be playing this throughout the hour. I do want to get to multiple stories. But he did talk about how he's being used. And I do think that if our NRA or anybody else is running ads, they should take him down. Cut 13. This is something that I wish never would have happened. But it did, and we can't change that. But how it's been so – how it polarized – how polarized it became is absolutely sickening. Yeah. Like, right or left – People using me for a cause that should never have been used as a cause. Yeah. Uh, And getting it totally wrong. For example, listen to what CBS said to get this story wrong on Face the Nation that they walk back today. Cut 18. In the chaos of Kenosha last August, Rittenhouse, then 17, killed two men with his AR-15-style assault rifle. He claimed self-defense. Rittenhouse drove in from Illinois armed for battle. He knew outrage already ran high. Two days earlier, a white cop had shot a black man seven times in the back. The officer was never charged. Here we go. So on Face the Nation, Mark Strassman got it wrong. He wrote, Face the Nation, uh, today of the protest following the verdict in the trial of Carl Rittenhouse, stated Rittenhouse drove in from Illinois armed for battle. Rittenhouse testified that he did not drive to Kenosha with a weapon. It was not illegal for Rittenhouse to possess the particular weapon. We apologize for the oversight. So Rittenhouse testified that he did not drive uh, to Kenosha with the weapon. He had the weapon and was in Kenosha. That's what he testified with. You could say Rittenhouse, they were wrong about that, but they just went by testimony. It was not illegal for Rittenhouse to possess that particular weapon. We apologize for the oversight. So that's just the beginning. They don't want to get sued. They could very well get sued, but I think MSNBC are the worst, as long with CNN. So their lawyer came out and spoke, and you'll hear from him in a little while, who says, I'm a CNN guy, not a Fox guy. Why would you be a CNN guy? They totally destroyed your client and made your case hard, uh, harder and totally skewed the, the verdict and make it seem like black and white was an issue, that race was a circumstance. Victor Davis Hanson talked about this verdict and what it means to the country. And he's not one for hyperbole. Cut 21. I think it was one of the most important trials in our lifetime because this old academic idea that crime was just a social construct, create, you know, laws were created by the elite to oppress the people of color or margin, has now filtered into the police and the district attorney. So the police either can't or they don't have the ability or they won't enforce the law. We see that with the looting that you discussed. Or the prosecuting attorneys will not indict or prosecute crimes, and you end up with Kenosha. And so what does a citizen have recourse to do? If they're not safe in their homes, if they're not safe going to the store, they have Second Amendment rights. You go after that, and you say, well, you may have the right to bear arms, but if you use it and you injure somebody, much less kill them, we're going to go after you. If he had not shot that gun, and he probably would have been beaten to death, and there was a, I would suggest there might have been a good likelihood that his perpetrator that killed him wouldn't be prosecuted. Unbelievable. Uh, and look, for him to say that, that's the story. And this is what happens. We don't, we don't have a Waukesha if cops are allowed to do their jobs, judges allowed to do their jobs, and a DA does their jobs. That's putting criminal behind bars. 
We don't have a Kenosha if a politician isn't governor. If a governor cares about his people more than his political career, he would have said yes to Donald Trump. He would have made sure his cops were empowered. He would have made sure the National Guard was there because all these riots were totally predictable because of the chaos that was raining down. And if, the, if they did not have a DA that permitted up to $1,000 of looting, there wouldn't have been hundreds of young men and women raiding stores, stealing stuff, like the looting expeditions that we saw in San Francisco. All this stuff is self-inflicted, and I can't see who benefits. When we come back, Jonathan Swan did a brilliant job, and I think it was fortuitous timing, by interviewing uh, Congresswoman Tlaib about her plan to release everybody from prison. I'm not kidding. One day, this comes after one day, they actually uh, aired one the same day that the Waukesha Uh, carnage took place. This is what you want. This is what Joe Biden listens to. Ron Klain kisses up to his progressives, his squad members, 93 in all, led by the big five, head head of it, AOC. That's who this administration is listening to. That's why the American people are disgusted. Not because Joe Manchin and Senator Coons are Democrats. They wouldn't be disgusted with that. They might be disappointed, but not disgusted. This is disgusting. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's more concerned with protecting government from the people than with protecting people from criminals. They committed crimes in pursuit of innocent people, and they allow criminals to stay on the street. Chisholm needs to be removed from office. He can be removed by the governor, and he can be removed by impeachment. And the problem in in Milwaukee was similar to the one in Kenosha, which is a district attorney playing to a woke media instead of protecting innocent people. Well, or getting elected by uh, a woke media and getting elected by Democratic constituents who think the attorney general is going to be good to fair to criminals. Uh, Look, I don't want someone locked up for petty crimes for a long distance and and staying for a long time, only not out because they can't afford bail. But the no-cash bail is not well thought out. It has destroyed the the New York City streets, Chicago streets. It is the new push in Philadelphia, just as bad in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And now you have it hurting in in the Midwest and Wisconsin. You're going to pay the price for this politically, and you should. And what I'm talking about is what happened is in Waukesha. In Waukesha, a 39-year-old career criminal decides to take his car and drive through a holiday parade right in the middle of the day. He has killed five people. They were the uh, dancing grannies, 79, 72, 71, 52, 52, and 81 years old. Uh, put five kids in critical condition, 10 overall hospitalized, 18 injured kids uh, in, in entirety, and 48 in particular. The guy's name is Daryl Brooks. 
a lone suspect. They knew exactly who it was because he did the exact same thing, only running over his girlfriend. He's got a lengthy rap sheet. He was let out of prison a $1,000 bear earlier this month, and uh, he allegedly ran a woman over in the SUV that he used to plow, the same SUV he used to plow over residents uh, of that area who just wanted to celebrate the holiday season prior to Thanksgiving. Now, think about this. Everybody's now got to bulk up their security at all the parades. Well, you're not going to have any parades in small-town America. Now, you look at a place like New York City with their Thanksgiving Day parade. There'll be plenty of security there. We're used to it because it's going to be a terrorist attack. It's always been a terrorist target. To do something big like that is something terrorists dream about. But in small-town America, you don't really think something like that's going to happen. But if you keep letting criminals out of prison— this guy, Daryl Brooks, a 99 aggravated bat- battery in 2000, carrying concealed weapon, loitering, obstructing an officer in possession of cocaine. 2002, obstructing an officer, driving a vehicle without consent. The case was dismissed. Resisting or obstructing an officer against so who has no sense of, uh, of um, sanctity when it comes to police officers, wants to beat him up. In 2005, received stolen property, possession of a controlled substance. 2009, paternity warrant, resisting officer. 2010, strangulation and suffocation, domestic abuse battery. 2011, prob- probi- uh, probation violation. Then he has a paternity warrant. Then possession in October of 2011, possession of pot. 2011, possession with intent of bail jumping. Okay, great. Bail jumping failure to appear in 2012. 2020, possession of a firearm, convicted felon, endangering safety and reckless use of the firearm, domestic abuse. And then in 2021, paternity served. He also was a sexual predator because he seems to have raped a 15-year-old and got her pregnant. Domestic battery, bail jumping, endangering safety, disorderly conduct, all in November of 2021. And then posted bail on November 11th. And then we know what Daryl Brooks did over the weekend. Absolutely insane. Quote, Waukesha District Attorney, we, have, we, don't have, we don't have held without bail in Wisconsin, but we will expect to be asking for a high cash bail. Oh, you think so? The DA says uh, to file homicide charges. I would think that. But what could possibly explain the District Attorney, John Chisholm, letting this guy out on $500 bail? Quote, the state's bail recommendation in this case was inappropriately low in light of the nature of the recent charges and pending charges against Brooks. The bail recommendation in this case is not consistent with the approach of Milwaukee County D- District Attorney's Office involving violent crime, nor is it consistent with the risk assessment of the defendant or setting bail. So just in case you think you don't set bail because someone's going to flee, you do it because they're going to commit another act. They said it was a clerical error that got him out. And now does that, that's little solace for those who lost their loved ones who are watching their kids struggle for their life. All preventable. All preventable. And that's why these Democrats who go these left-wing cities, who go ahead and leave people exposed, who you trust when you put them in office, and that's what happens. You can't even go to a holiday parade. one 408 Colonel West is next. Talk to him about this. And somebody else is now running for AG. And I'm not talking about George P. Bush. Uh, it's somebody you know. We'll talk about that in his run for governor. Beto O'Rourke is now involved. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. You have this tragedy in in uh, Washington, which which actually uh, resembles what happened in East France about a year and a half ago, where you have somebody in a truck who runs down, kills five people, wounds 40 people. And I'm sure we're going to presently hear all the explanations for why he did it. But the truth is, that's a massacre. And the person who did it should be treated as a terrorist who is willing to kill fellow citizens on that scale. Uh, that is Newt Gingrich uh, talking about the law and disorder in our country that self-inflicted wounds. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now, Texas gubernatorial candidate, former congressman from Florida. Uh, Colonel, when you saw what happened Sunday in Wisconsin, you know, we're used to feeling the threat of Islamic extremists. And I thought to myself, did they strike again like they did in, in Orlando? I'm going to keep it to myself. I didn't broadcast that, but that's in my head. Little did I know that our district attorneys and our no-cash-bail system has unleashed the criminals on our own people. We are our own worst enemy. No, you're absolutely right, and happy Thanksgiving, Brian. It's great to be with you. And my mind went to the exact same thing because, as Speaker Gingrich talked about, you looked at those trends, what happened in East France. It also happened in England where uh, jihadists were using cars to run people down. As a matter of fact, it happened at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, and there was a campus police officer that shot the uh, Somali uh, jihadist that was doing that. But when you think about now what is happening, you look at the rap sheet of this individual and, and Rashida Tlaib that says we need to empty our, our jails and our prisons within the next 10 years, this is complete lawlessness that we see happening. And, you know, where is the outrage from the left over what this uh, what has occurred? And these DAs across the country, many of them Soros back and funded, we see what has happened in California, even here in the state of Texas, uh, in Harris County. Uh, Houston, Texas, uh, four people are, are shot murdered a day. A night in Houston, Texas, uh, you have a one in 900 chance of being involved in a violent crime in Houston, Texas. In Dallas County, where I live, uh, you're not going to be prosecuted if you commit a crime at or below $750 worth of value. And so this is what the progressive socialist left has brought forth to us. And this individual who had just uh, tried to run down his girlfriend, from what I understand, with that SUV, and now he uses an SUV to run down all of these people, where is the, again, the outcry? And, and when you talk, if this were a gun, then everyone would, from the left would be out there talking about we need to ban guns. Do we need to ban SUVs now? No. We need to have tougher uh, penalties on our criminals and all of this you know, bail reform that they're talking about. And you see it up there in New York. Uh, we need to go back to the basics. If you commit a crime, you need to do the time. Yeah, I think that would be that would certainly be interesting to not have five hundred dollars bail of of a guy that's been committing crime since nineteen ninety nine and just ran yeah. over somebody and he's got still got a car and now he'd run over forty eight people killing five where th- where uh, also four are struggling for their lives in critical condition who are children so that yes. happens at the same time I'm watching the lawlessness in New York where the cops have stopped arresting people because they get out before they can even process their paperwork. So they were also emptying out these prisons uh, at a dizzying rate. And you mentioned Tlaib said to Jonathan Swan over the next 10 years, she would like everybody out of prison because most are mentally ill. 
Well, I don't think most are mentally ill. And furthermore, that's a very generalized statement that she's making. But that just goes to the mentality. But it is not just what we see happening in our major urban population centers. Think about uh, I was just down in Alpine, Texas, down in Brewster County last week. Uh, Brewster County is the 39th largest landmass county in the country, largest in the state of Texas. It has 192 miles of border that it shares with Mexico. And you talk with the law enforcement uh, sheriff's office there. You talk with the Border Patrol agents. They feel completely dejected because they know that why do I go out there and work hard to try to apprehend these people when uh, you know a non-governmental organization that's getting federal grant money just gets them and they release them into the into the state of Texas or they release them into the United States of America. So what we see happening from the left, and and this is all just happening one year, just one year, Brian, where we see the lawlessness in, in our streets in our cities. We see the lawlessness with open borders, and now you have someone like. Rashida Tlaib is talking about open up the doors of prisons. Where are we headed? And that's why I think that the left, they're operating in an echo chamber. They don't understand the ramifications and the consequences of these policies. And if they didn't learn from the lesson of what happened in Virginia and almost happened in New Jersey, uh, they're setting themselves up for political Armageddon next November. Well, I think so, and I would hope so, because that means elections matter. That means actions and elections matter. That means I'm not mm-hmm. blindly going to vote for my party if my party is going to get my family in trouble, that I can't go outside or go to a parade in the afternoon on a Sunday. It is nuts. So the other thing to mm-hmm. uh, bring up, too— is what happened in San Francisco. They have these mass looting expeditions where people just start raiding. They pull up in their cars, and they all run out, and they steal as much as possible. Cops don't even show, and they do show. It's an after-action report. And Gavin Newsom wonders what's going on in his state. What's going on in your state? You're allowing people to loot up to $1,000, and you wonder why people are taking advantage of that. Here's the ridiculous governor yesterday, Cut 27. Look, I have no sympathy, no empathy whatsoever. People smashing and grabbing, stealing people's items, creating havoc and terror on our streets. None, period. Full stop. We want real accountability. We want people prosecuted. And we want people to feel safe this holiday season. So he's coming out against looting. Not Does anyone ask him what responsibility do you have to creating that environment, that the permissive mm-hmm. environment that's allowing that city to become unlivable? Well, you're absolutely right. And so I did not hear him say anything about the mayor. I did not hear him say anything about the district attorney. And it's not just San Francisco. It's also happening in Los Angeles. And so, you know, him as a governor, he has set the conditions. He has created an atmosphere where these individuals with these progressive socialist leftist policies are allowing the mob to to rule. And the exact same thing when we see with Antifa and no one's, you know, shutting them down or some of the violence that comes from Black Lives Matter, the subversive actions, and no one is shutting them down. As a matter of fact, you have encouragement. You know that the vice president, Kamala Harris, was part of a bail program that were helping people that were violent, uh, you know, mob members get uh, out of jail there in Minneapolis. But even here in Houston, Texas, I was down in Houston yesterday, and people were telling me that they have individuals that will go into nice restaurants or fancy stores or whatever, and they will case people. They will take videos of people. They 
will, you know, then send it, the, the videos to, out to uh, folks that are outside. They will either follow these individuals out to the parking lot or follow them home, and then they commit crimes against them. This is a well-organized operation that we see that is occurring not just in California, but like I said, again, it's occurring here even in Texas. Yeah, so let's talk about Texas. It looks like, uh, you know, you're running for governor and Beto O'Rourke's running for the Democratic nomination for governor. He had a little bit of a a confrontation when someone said you lost twice, get out. Uh, He's within – they have a a poll I saw that Martha McConaughey is leading all and that he – that Governor Abbott leads – Governor Abbott leads Beto O'Rourke by about seven points. Where are you in this? Well, the thing is, I find it interesting that everyone is just writing off the fact that Governor Abbott has probably his strongest primary challenging field that he's had uh, in, in the past two election cycles. Uh, previous to this, I mean, he won in the primary at 91 and 92 percent, but no one is talking about the primary races. But I think when we come out of the uh, New Year's, they're going to have to, because right now the primary will occur the first Tuesday in March. So I think that we have a very strong challenge. Uh, last week, we uh, hit seven counties, 2,000 miles. I was gone on the road from Monday down to uh, Saturday evening, about 630. Uh, I'm like I said yesterday, I was in Houston, uh, traveling up, got a luncheon in Austin, and then I'll get back home and get ready to fry some turkeys and ham for, for Thanksgiving. But our campaign is getting a great response, and there is has not been any polling in the primary. But I think it's important that when we look at these polls, we need to see, are they talking about registered voters or are they talking about likely voters? Because that's a big difference between those two universes. Right. And you think you do better with registered voters? I do, we would do better with likely voters, uh, and because again, when you talk about voter registration rolls, and many of them have not been reviewed, and just because you registered does not mean that you are voting, and so that's the big difference. And so I think we need to look at likely voters instead of registered voters. What's your thoughts about Louis Gomer running for AG? I think that that's a very strong challenge. Uh, you know, I served with uh, Congressman Gomer. He's a great guy. He's He's got a great record, having been a judge here. And I think that uh, he's going to give uh, Attorney General Paxson a, a big challenge. He really is. You also have uh, George, uh, George P. Bush running. I don't think he has a chance whatsoever. You know, he's the uh, land commissioner here, and he really soured a lot of people when he wanted to uh, be a part of a, quote-unquote, reimagining the Alamo. And I think you remember that. He wanted to take the cenotaph away and move it over in front of a hotel off of the actual Alamo battlefield and then try to turn the Alamo into some type of amusement park. You wrote an incredible book about uh, Sam Houston and the history of the Texas Revolution, and you know how important that's. Cenotaph and the Alamo is to us here in Texas. Yeah, so I think, but he did come around on that, to fairness on him. Well, that was after the Texas Historical Commission voted 12 to 1 for it not to happen. Uh, and so he was the one that initiated that uh, that whole move to try to do that. And, and I don't think that the folks here in Texas will be supporting him in a Republican primary. All right. Uh, so for those people listening right now who fear that Texas, who, are, who, who sees red Texas is turning blue, what do you tell them? I think without a doubt, you got to get people to understand that there are some uh, challenges in our major urban population centers. But when I look at the uh, 
the reports and, and see what is happening in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, the Hispanic community is waking up. They are, are breaking away from the Democrat Party, this progressive socialism. They've seen that in Latin America. Joe Biden only has like a 32 to 35 percent approval rating with Hispanics in Texas. So uh, I, I think that, you know, this dream of turning Texas blue is, is far-fetched. Well, without a doubt, we got, you know, problems, you know, in Austin and some of these other isolated cities. But I think slowly but surely we, you know, people want their safety and security. Uh, Austin, Texas has seen a 66 percent increase in violent crime, 71 percent increase in homicide because they defunded their police by 150 million. So I think folks will wake up to that. Yeah. Reimagining police. Uh, just the word reimagining in police doesn't work. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West wants to be the next Texas governor. First, he wants to get the nomination. Uh, So, Colonel, best of luck. Thank you. And happy Thanksgiving to you and the listening audience. And if people want to contribute to your campaign. Sure. You go to West, the number four, Texas.com, and you can follow us and see what we're doing. I look forward to seeing folks and enjoy the Thanksgiving. And remember that with all the challenges we have here in America, we still live in the greatest country that the world has ever known. And Texas is probably the greatest state in the greatest country that the world has ever known. All right. Go get him, Colonel. Uh, Colonel Allen West. When we come back, your call is 1-866-408-7669. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Now that the booster has finally been okayed, you might want to get one. CNN's Dr. Jonathan Reiner explains. I think you need to assess your own uh, vulnerability. If you are not boosted, you are not fully vaccinated. What? Why didn't anyone tell us this earlier? That's like finding a label on a bulletproof vest. Warning, won't stop bullets. Buy two more. Yeah, I I know we're going to get to that. You know we're going to get to the point where, oh, yeah, the booster shots are in. If you guys want to get one, get one. If you're vulnerable, get one. If you have underlying conditions, get one. If you don't get one, don't go to the restaurant. Don't go on the train. Don't go on the plane. uh, Don't go to school. Uh, that's exactly what's going to happen again. And it's going to further divide the country. But if you think you're going to do what they're doing in Austria to America, lockdown again, you have not walked around America. Yeah, the uh, Stephen Colbert's of the world, they'll run inside, they'll stay back, and they'll do their show in in college shirts in their basement, and and Jimmy Fallon, all those compliant people. But for the real Americans who know that life is full of risk, and this is a risk we're willing to take, and there's a vaccine, and now there's therapeutics that nobody wants to talk about, and there's natural immunity, which is more effective than vaccines— um, this is coming, and you know that. I said this from before. As soon as they came up with the vaccine for kids, kids are going to start being banned, stop being allowed to play on sports teams, stop, stop going to school, because if you don't get a booster, if you don't want to put that teacher in jeopardy, oh, that teacher, the teacher in jeopardy that got the vaccine, that kept everyone out of school way too long, that used teachers' unions to shield themselves, uh, not every teacher. Some just had to listen to what the union told them to do. But others uh, ran for the hills. So uh, that's funny what's going on with uh, the booster shot. Now everyone can get a booster shot. And I walk around. I've probably talked to 5,000 people. I figured out uh, on this tour. We've had about nine stops already for the president and freedom fighter. Uh, Special thanks to everyone who came out in Orlando, WDBO, for supporting uh, WOKV in Jacksonville. Uh, I'll be at a big show in Ponte Vedra on December 3rd. It'll be televised 
on Fox Nation, December 4th, being Clearwater, Florida. Talk to so many different people. Uh, there's, there's time before the show for if you get a certain ticket, uh, we could talk before the show. I sign your book and, be, and get your questions. And almost everybody is over the vaccine, excuse me, is over the pandemic. They understand the rules. No one buys what they're saying from the federal government level. They look at their governor, and I had four stops in Florida or five, and they just feel so fortunate to have a governor that's allowing people to make their own decisions, whether they want to stay in, homeschool, go do it. Whether you want to go to school without a mask, go do it. If, you're, if your county, if your school district locks down, the, the, uh, the governor's going to sue to give you the option of having your kid wear a mask or not wear a mask. That's what this is about. Lastly, on the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, he was not just critical of the left-wing media. He was critical of Linwood. Linwood, who was so detrimental to President Trump's defense, so unhinged during that time in between the, when the election results were in and the inauguration, uh, really defamed himself. I think he dressed like Trump and started screaming stuff on the Hill. He's lost his mind, it seems. Here's more proof. So Linwood is his attorney. Cut 46. I was in jail for 87 days, and this goes as follows in with Lynn Wood, who Lynn Wood was raising money on my behalf, and he held me in jail for 87 days, disrespected my wishes, put me on media interviews, which I should never have done, which he said, oh, you're going to go talk to the Washington Post, which was not a good idea, along with John Pierce. They said I was safer in jail instead of at home with my family, and then after I'm billed. Your lawyer said that. My lawyer said that. John Pearson, Lynn Wood. How sickening is that? He goes on. Cut 47. 87 days of not being with my family for defending myself and being taken advantage to, being used for a cause by these by John Pearson, Lynn Wood, trying to solicit, not solicit, trying to raise money so they can take it for their own benefit, not trying to set me free. So you think they could have raised the money for bail faster, but they didn't? Um, I believe it. I believe uh, sometime in September, September 5th, I want to say, they had over a million dollars, and bail was set and able to be posted in September. So they could have had me sign the waiver for extradition and had me back in Wisconsin, and I could have been bailed out by mid-September. But they wanted to keep me in jail until November 20th. How sickening is that? He has got to pay the price for that, right? Allison, you're a lawyer. It's disgusting, but I think it goes where everyone's saying, who's raising these funds? What is it? I think it'll be interesting to hear more from It makes him look bad. Like they're trying to make money for him, and he's trying to make right-wing causes supporting him. It allows additional polarization. Sickening. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you, and we're happy to be back in New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, uh, and it was great to uh, to see everybody in Orlando, in Hollywood, in Pensacola, and in Fairhope, Alabama, as well as the Villages. And I'll back in here, and I'll be uh, back in Florida on Friday, December 3rd, and that'll be broadcast on Fox Nation, uh, the President Freedom Fighter Tour. Have a chance to talk about all my books, and listen, uh, I'm talking about the five history books and the two sports books, but basically, 
I'm doing it to push back and trying to win the war in American history. I wanted people that cared about history in the country to show up. Now you got to show up in order to be able to fight at your ter- at Thanksgiving effectively. It's not fight, but argue effectively for America's founding. We have a, a war on law and order, a war on our history. Someone's trying to shake America to its foundation, and we have to shake back. Uh, we're standing by with uh, con- uh, former Congressman Doug Collins, who's got a book out about really what happened with the multiple impeachments of the president and the attack and the Russia hoax, which is uh, couldn't be more appropriate. And we'll also do a simulcast with Stuart Varney. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There were reports that President Biden was telling allies that he's going to run for re-election in 2024. Can you confirm, is he going to run in 2024? Is he telling staff that? That's his intention. Uh, Yes, that was Jen Psaki uh, talking about the president running for four more years after he gets through this three years. Uh, He says he's running. Joe Biden says to our allies he's running. He told his staff he's running. But do you believe it? Uh, Panic among Democrats currently with the poll numbers so bad, not only for the president, but for the Democrats all around the country. Are they poised for a 2022 knockout or are they just down for now? Number two, these liberal prosecutors are basically treating even violent criminals like this guy, a repeat offender, a rapist, a child rapist, as no kind of threat to the public. But what we have here is these people treating bail as a get out of jail free permanently card. Yeah, that could be it. Uh, Harmeet Dillon, he was violent, remorseless and a career criminal. And because of a leftist D.A., yes, another one. They would not put him behind bars for uh, a bail above $500. Now five are dead, six children are in critical condition, and over 40 are wounded because they just wanted to march in an afternoon holiday parade. Number one. Where were the police? I didn't really think they got the support they needed. The National Guard should have been called August 23rd, but the city of Kenosha failed their the community. Um, the governor, Tony Evers, failed the community, and there should have been a lot more resources to help with that. No kidding. Kyle Rittenhouse speaks out, and I am sold. He did what he had to do, uh, and he was there because the governor kept his cops back and the National Guard at. You'll hear, and you will decide. But first off, I want to bring in Doug Collins, former congressman from Georgia, author of a new book called The Clock and the Calendar, a front row look at the Democrats' obsession with Donald Trump. Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Brian, it's good to be back. Always so, good to be with you. Uh, Congressman, no one fought harder and more succinctly uh, with a better argument than you uh, for the president of the United States. I would swear you're from New York with the speed in which you talked. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I, I can't believe you're, you're from the South because that's what everyone tells me to slow down. But you make me look slow. Congressman, what was have you concluded by the time this book ends what the obsession was with Trump, why he was even beyond anything Bush, Reagan— uh, ever did? What I found in this thing, and the exception came, Brian, and I think it started the day he was elected, it was the elitist attitude from the Democrats and the liberals that they could not believe they were beat by Donald Trump. They could not believe that this guy, this businessman, this person who said what he thought, did what he wanted to, had you know no regard for what they considered the polite social norms. They could not believe they were beat by somebody like him. And, and, and it just eat up at the fact. And so when what I write in the book and I talk about is from my just as I was during this whole time was talking to you and others was sitting next to Jerry Nadler, listening to 
the festering Democrats' obsession with him and how they can beat him. Remember, Jerry Nadler for 40 years had lost every battle to Donald Trump. And for this time, and I write about it in the book, he thought he could win. Did he? No, he didn't. At the end of the day, what they did, and this is part of what I I talk about in the book, was to get at Donald Trump, they had to basically kill the institution that they claimed to love. And this is what we're seeing right now in Congress, Brian. If you look at what's going on with Nancy Pelosi and how they're just sort of running ramshackle over the rules and everything else, it all started in 2019 when the Democrats wanted to get Donald Trump so bad that they would break the rules, they rushed impeachment, they did the Mueller investigation, they had hearings where they blocked the minority out, blocked the president out. They broke the rules of the very institution that they wanted or said that they supported to get at a man that they didn't like. Oh, you've been following the dorm report close. Yes, and I think that, that was the one thing I was sort of joking before we got on the air was if I had a chance to rename the book, now I'd probably still say the top in the calendar because I believe it was all about time to, before the election. But the other thing I would say is we were right and we told you so. Uh, the Durham investigation is showing everything about the Russia hoax. This went back, and remember, Brian, for your listeners, everybody, let's remember the Russia hoax came out of something that most will forget about. It was a Clinton cover-up. The Russia hoax started as a Clinton cover-up of the Clinton email scandal and Jim Comey and, and the whole thing back in summer of 2016. It's amazing how many things come around to the Clintons, but this is another one to cover up her abuse of her email server. The Russia hoax came out of the Clinton email scandal. So, you know, you have a really detailed insider look at what really took place and why you were so vehement and so determined to battle for the president. It was beyond Donald Trump. It was right and wrong. But, Congressman, let's talk about what has happened since we last spoke. Michael Sussman uh, gets indicted, at which time they say, what did you do? Well, you lied to the FBI and saying you had no personal connection. You just had an insight that Donald Trump was using Alpha Bank to communicate and cut deals with Russia, backdoor deals. Not true. Michael Sussman worked for Fusion GPS, who worked for the Clinton campaign in order to do opposition research on the president because her email scandal was so bad, she wanted to get everyone distracted. So she started going with this link that Donald Trump never had to Russia, and it took, it took on turbo speed. Now we find out about the Russian uh, the dossier. Who gave him the information? Well, Christopher Steele didn't get the information. Some Russian gave him information. He had great sources. Okay. That Russian, Dushenko, was the source. He worked for the Brookings Institute, was from Russia, was in, uh, in America. And guess who gave him information? An American, a Clintonite, Chuck Dolan Jr. So what you're seeing here is this Russian give Christopher Steele information. Steele gets that information and puts it through the media and the FBI, hoping to get some traction. And he did with the dossier. And you would think it's just bad. When Trump wins, it's over. But instead, they all doubled and tripled down. Did I say yep. anything that didn't work for you? Yep, they had. Look, look you, you just laid out three very, you know, several very important points. Number one, this was a Clinton campaign, GPS, Fusion GPS, the whole Clinton campaign, of which, number one, Obama, President Obama knew about. Probably at the time, definitely Vice President Biden knew about. Because how do we know that? Because Classified informa- the declassified information from John Ratcliffe last year said that he briefed the president on the fact that Clinton was going to try and paint Trump. Who did? Who uh, briefed the president? Uh, Brennan, John Brennan, uh, CIA, intelligence officer. This, this was out from last year. He briefed them about that, told them this is what they were going to do, number one. Number two, when they came out of this investigation of the Clinton email, when Comey said, by the way, head of the FBI, said no regional prosecutor would prosecute, three weeks later, they're in Cleveland, 
and they're interviewing President Trump, failing to talk about the Russia investigation, but starting what would then be what is, I believe, the third biggest problem here of the Russia investigation was they used this information that they began to know was tainted and false as late as the, the fall of 2016. They knew it was, it was suspect, Bruce Ortol. There was suspect information, but then they used the FISA court, the secret court used for terrorism, what it's supposed to be, to actually go against Carter Page and others, and they basically falsified the documents. My question to John Durham is this. For those who signed those warrants, knowing that that information, such as McCabe and also Comey and others, what are they going to do about those? You can't just take Sussman and the rest of them. It's got to go higher, and that's what I'm hoping for from Durham. So, Doug. When John Brennan is on every channel, especially MSNBC where he's signed, saying this Russia investigation is so disturbing, we're compromised, he's compromised, he knows he's lying. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, they, they, look, they, they know this information was there. We know it is what, you know, it, it continued. Even if they had a thought about it in the beginning, by the time they kept looking at this from information from Bruce or other things, and then especially by the time January 2017 rolls around, we're talking less than six months here. They knew that this information was compromised, and they should not be using it, and if they had not verified it. Comey tried to sidestep this, and which is what Brennan, Clapper, and all the rest of them tried to do, saying, well, we, we weren't you know, sure we knew part. No, they knew it, and anywhere else they would have stopped, but they had one goal, and that was Donald Trump. And to disrupt, once he won the insurance policy, so to speak, to quote Peter Strzok, was right. to make sure that he never got started in his, in his administration. And from remember January of 2017, February 2017, up until the Mueller investigation started four months later, that's all they did was attack from the inside. Doug Collins with us, former congressman who was really leading this investigation, was able to unwind it and fight for President Trump, not because it was just President Trump who he liked. It was because it was right and wrong. I want you to hear an exchange. So we don't – all that Durham hasn't laid out all the pieces yet. You've put it together and, and – I've been lucky enough to be dealt on the inside. I have a sense of where it's going, but I'm going to let I'm going to grow this story with the investigation. But Morgan Ortega's heard this. You know, she was spokesperson for Mike Pompeo at the state. Mm-hmm. Here's what she said to Adam Schiff, who you bring up in your book. Listen, you've defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier, um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. First of all. Whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted. But you the made the spread Russian disinformation get... yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee Chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. Well, I, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, it's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. Mm-hmm. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele. But let's not use that as a smokescreen to <laughs> somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election. None of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele. No, I think just your credibility is. So she she crushed him, but he was trying yeah. to get into the Ukraine, a whole other story. And that was one comment that he made. Hey, Russia, if you have any more emails, bring them up. That's Donald Trump being Donald Trump. I actually talked to him in Scranton yeah. the next day. But I want you to expand on Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff has had a compromised version of the truth uh, for the last five or six years. Now, look, I'll go into it even further. Remember, if you go back, and there was a time in 2016, 2017, especially when you had – 
uh, Trey Gowdy and Bob Goodlatte were looking into this. Uh, Eric, you had Nevin Nunez was putting out what he saw was coming from this Russian basket. Nunez and Schiff were both chairman ranking member. Schiff knew this to be wrong. He kept saying, he kept leaking. There's, there is, you know, evidence of collusion in plain sight. He kept doubling and tripling down. For him to sit on that show the other day and listen to that, you know, and, and to say that, you know, it's just showing what I believe is a singed morality in the sense that he has no conscience about lying. He knew this was happening, and it, it was said. I even tweeted about the fact he read this into the record. It was not something that he was hiding from. Adam Schiff is is the most partisan individual, and right now, take it a step further. Remember, I talked about this laid the groundwork for the crowd that we're seeing right now. Who is the one that is being the the unofficial spokesman? For this January 6th investigation, it's Adam Schiff. Yep. Adam Schiff is leaking everything that he knows. This is what he always does. And to bring up the Ukraine and trying to compare it to the, I mean, it just shows the depravity, frankly, I feel, of, of, of Adam Schiff. It does. Uh, you know, Congressman, you would have won against Raphael Warnock. You know that. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe I would have. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and, and it didn't happen. And not only that, you even religious way, aren't you a minister, a pastor? I am still chaplain in the United States Air Force. So if he's throwing back uh, Bible verses, you could throw back Bible verses. In every way, shape, or form, you were prepared to win that election. I, I don't yeah. know what happened, but it was the beginning of a series of self-inflicted wounds by Republicans. Are you angry about that? Uh, no, I've got no. The one thing I am frustrated about is that I was, we were denied what we should have been, and that was a chance to have a Republican primary in Georgia. The governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, denied us the ability to have a, a primary and if we'd have had that, then I think that would have turned out. But I would have loved, Brian, to win against Raphael Warnock. When you have a pastor, a, a pastor of a church who says that it, it is uh, that he is a pro-choice pastor, oh, <laughs> we would have had a, we would have had. A, I mean, we went back and forth on that one. Just just the simple part, you know, you're not going to quote scripture and, and self-proof it, especially to when it's not truth. But yeah, that that's the only thing I wish. But other than that, I'm out here going to still keep telling the truth, be with you and and others, because I believe the truth is something that's got to be defended because in America right now, it's being in short supply. So didn't you have a jungle primary and didn't Kelly Leffler win that? We did. What they did is they put us all in. We should have. We had plenty of time. The legislature wanted to have a primary. Brian Kemp said no because he wanted to protect his pick of Kelly Leffler, and that put us all in November of twenty of last year, November 2020. Oh. We were on the ballot with everybody else. So it was not just a jungle primary. It was, a, it was me and Warnock and Leffler and four or five others. It was all of us gotcha. in that. So, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, Doug Collins, uh, he's still a major factor. The clock in the calendar, a front-row look at the Democrats' obsession with Donald Trump. You know what bothers me most? It hurt the country. Forget about Donald Trump and forget about Republicans or Democrats. It hurt the country, and that's the lesson. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much. It's always good to talk to you, Brian. Take care. Same here. Back in a moment. Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. Look, go to Fox Nation, watch the whole interview. I know you missed it last night. If you did, it is so worth it. John, WABC. Hey, John. 
Good morning, Mr. Kilmeade. Pleasure to speak to you. I just wanted to bring up a point about the corruption that's going on. The only people in our system that can actually speak truth to power are the FBI and the press, and they've been corrupted to the core, maybe even weaponized against the political enemies of the left. If you need some examples of that, you have the school board, and you have the single most effective weapon against Donald Trump during his presidency, which is the collusion, which was based on FBI information. So until the FBI is, you know, basically defunded or, or cleaned up, nothing will change on the state level or the federal level. I talked, to a, I talked to a former congressman, excuse me, a former FBI agent, now congressman, and he felt as though the FBI was on the right track, that they got a lot of their bad apples. I said, you really believe that? Because some of the hardest working people who are, by the way, underpaid and underappreciated are FBI agents. Uh, I thought the, the appointees are the problem. Uh, my hope is that an FBI agent said, excuse me, you assigned me to the Virginia school board? I'm not going there. You know, I, I can't go out to the uh, this school board and start arresting people. That's what the local police are for. These get out of control. There's a cop there. What do you need to be investigating Mr. and Mrs. Anderson down the block? My hope is that these agents would step up and speak out. But there's a lot of people who are disenchanted with the FBI who have been used as political pawns. My hope is that Christopher Ray wouldn't be that political. I talked to Chris Christie about him, and he really liked him. He was his personal attorney, but he seems to be politically compromised. I'm not sure why. When we come back, we're going to uh, take more of your calls, and then we're going to do a simulcast with uh, Stuart Varney. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not That's what, what I'm, the facts Yeah, is. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed we're gonna keep, we're actually says release everyone in But 10 in 10 years. years, but think about it. Who are releasing? But there are, like, human traffickers. Oh, I know. Child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No. Because you, you endorsed the bill. No, I look at who's in prison now. No, look at the I folks that are no, mentally ill that I, have substance abuse but, problems. But Why aren't you asking me about them? You're asking me about the crimi- human no, traffickers and others that no, should be I'm trying st- to understand. No, 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 no. To what I'm trying accountable. to understand is your, your proposal is so sweeping. It does, oh, oh, it does release yeah. everyone. And what I'm trying to say to you Within is... Within 10 years... And in your vision, there is still... Um, whatever proportion they are, a small proportion, who do need to be behind bars. Yeah, again, I would have to look at every case individually. Look at every case in the country. You signed on to a program to allow everybody out of prison in 10 years. And when questioned about it by Jonathan Swan, you have absolutely no answer. And when that airs, guess what happened? This, This career criminal, this brutal, barbaric mutant drives his car through a parade who is known, according to The Sun, to write rap songs saying F Donald Trump and declared blank the pigs who had just run over and punched his girlfriend and then run over with a car. There were tire marks on her in her jeans and then plows through the road. Should we let him out too? Because by having $500 bail... That looks like hard time compared to Rashida Tlaib's America. This is nuts. 
that's the squad. And I got I got to tell you, now I, I don't think it's fortuitous timing for them to try to get their point across that we have too many people in jails. Now, this guy, for example, this guy, Daryl Brooks, charged with five counts of first-degree murder, unclear what prompted it, charged 10, 10 crimes since 1999. In 2006, 2006, a big day for him, he was uh, convicted of and be, became a sexual offender, official uh, sexual offender, and that's where it means he has to register wherever he goes, which he never did. He killed Virginia Sorensen, Leanne Owen, Tamara Duran, 52 years old, Jane Kulik, 52 years old, and Wilhelm Hospital, 81 years old. They were the dancing grandmas. So they shut, that's who this guy killed because he was let out of prison because all he did was run over his girlfriend and he had $500 and $1,000 bail in his last two offenses. That's the person who took his SUV and plowed through the Christmas parade, even though it was before Thanksgiving. Uh, 1999, aggravated battery, 2005, resist. By the way, there's like five different counts of punching cops. So he has no sense of law and order, freed on bail twice this year. And these are the, these are the people, uh, the squad and company wanted the whole prison, all these prisons, no cash bail, and wanted all these prisons emptied. So here's what AOC says yesterday. The Democrats in the House Oversight Committee are demanding more answers from New York City's district attorney, suggesting the excessive bail and other factors are keeping prisoners in jail longer than necessary. So as we see these repeated fenders and the cops backing off because everybody gets out, the Democrats on the House Oversight Committee are demanding stats to show uh, to prove that these people deserve to be in prison. The few left in prison, they want out. Jamie Raskin and Carol Maloney write this. We have grave concerns that excessive bail amounts are leading to unnecessary pretrial detention and contributing to a humanitarian disaster at Rikers Island, where 14 people have died this year, condemning thousands of individuals to languish in environmentally plagued uh, by persistent overcrowding and mounting violence as they await trial is not acceptable. AOC tweets out more than 75% of individuals in custody haven't been convicted of a crime and are confined to an unsafe conditions. Good luck with that. The American people have run from you and your philosophy. Listen to this uh, person who has since resigned, this Illinois Democrat who used the Rittenhouse case to mock uh, Waukesha's brutal murder. She wrote this, Mary Lemansky, now deleted tweet. Uh, on in response to uh, an article written uh, about the Christian tragedy, Christian prey tragedy. It was probably just self-defense. Got it? Because she doesn't believe that Kyle Rittenhouse was actually self-defense as the jury ruled. He, she went on. Mary Lewinsky now with the deleted tweet. The blood of Kyle Rittenhouse's victims is on the hands of Wisconsin citizens, even the children. So she's blaming Kyle Rittenhouse for that. So if you're not calling him a racist... A white supremacist, you're calling him a murderer for what happened at a parade route, which he had nothing to do with. The only thing in common with that is they were both in Wisconsin. Nuts. She has resigned. The uh, the Democrats tweeted this out. We're deeply saddened by the tragedy in, in Waukesha. We are aware of the statements made by a former member of our organization and find them to be incredibly insensitive and not aligned with who we are as an organization. Our organization does not support hate in any firm. You think so? I think that law and order, along with the attack on a history, is run rampant in this country simultaneously. You could not upend American society more if you were China or Russia. They must be laughing hysterically at what we are going through and saying we don't even need 
to hack into their systems. We don't need to rob them of their technology. We don't need to somehow infect their social media. They are infecting themselves. And Waukesha is the latest example and the response, the fact that it happened, number one, and number two is the response. Here's Jim Trusty on the abject failure of the DA's office. Cut 26. This is an abject failure, Shannon. I mean, the bottom line is bail is supposed to be decided on not just risk of flight, but danger to the community. This guy has a record that's, you know, longer than my arm of serious felony crimes. He's out in 2020 for a shooting towards his nephew. He's a felon in possession of a firearm at that point. He has this other incident in just two weeks ago where he tries to run over a young woman. And he has a felony bail jumping charge from that. I mean, he hits every bell for being pretrial detained. So it's an absolute failure by the district attorney's office, but it's also a failure by the judge. No matter what the DA was doing, no judge in their right mind should exercise their discretion to let this guy go out and conduct what he did uh, on the streets the other day. Disempower the police. Don't let the police do their job. Encourage them to resign. Don't pay them a lot. Don't run academies. That's what's happening in these Democratic-run cities. I would tell you if a Republican was doing it, the governor of Massachusetts, I was saying he's a Republican, but he's he's Mr. Lockdown, Crackdown, and Mr. Mandate. That's unlike most Republicans, but I'll point it out if that was indeed the case. Kira Davis was on primetime last night and was talking about something we've been talking about, linking the looting in San Francisco. The chaos and the coverage of the Rittenhouse trial where he had to get involved to protect his community. Do I think it was wise? No. But did he feel he had to compel to get involved because the cops wouldn't engage, weren't allowed? National Guard wasn't called. Federal troops were not requested. Kira Davis says, I link all of this together. Cut 30. You know, the laws of human nature uh, Mm -hmm. ring true as always, which is if you can get away with a crime and you're a criminal, you're going to do it. I I don't this is not just a matter of DAs who are purposefully gumming up the works of the system. This is also a matter of legislatures that are passing laws that don't have the interest of the safety of the people in mind. And that's key. Next, I want to just talk about Joe Biden 2024. I'll be talking with Stuart Varney shortly. Big speculation about how he seems to be failing, doesn't want any press conference, doesn't want any pressers after bilaterals, not asking uh, government leaders big questions like China, what happened with the virus? Like Mexico, can you control your border? And the Remain in Mexico policy needs to be re-implemented. How do we make that happen? Nothing ever comes up. They see him falling asleep at the Green Conference and they see his policies from Afghanistan on down being abject uh, failure, and they see the numbers plummet after these off-year election results. Jen Psaki was asked, at the age of 79, does Joe Biden really think he's going to run for another four years? Cut 34. There were reports that President Biden was telling allies that he is going to run for re-election in 2024. Can you confirm, is he going to run in 2024? Is he telling staff that? Yes, that's his intention. Well, hmm. that's his intention. Kamala Harris, certainly not the answer. They're talking about this transportation secretary, Buttigieg, as somebody who's ready. But we got to look at Buttigieg. He bombed out of the primaries. I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm saying he's not effective. You're going to give him the keys to the country? Are you kidding? Ronnie Jackson weighed in on Joe Biden. He says there's no question Joe can't run. Remember, Dr. Ronnie Garson, who is a doctor to Bush 43, Obama 44, and Trump 45. Cover 38. 
you mark my word, he will not run for president in, for a second term. He'll be 82 years old. And I really, I'm, I'm going to stick to what I've been saying all along since he was candidate Biden. He won't make it to the end of this term. They will remove him at some point. After the 2022 midterms, they're going to have to address his cognitive issues. It won't be Ronnie Jackson talking about it anymore. It's going to be the Democrats, and they're going to have to explain what's going on with him. And, and make no mistake about it, there's a, there's a certain number of people in the White House right now. You know, uh, Kamala Harris walks past that office every day and looks in there. She thinks, I'm going to be president pretty soon. And she mm. might be right. She probably is right. And that's the only way she's ever going to become president because well, she's not going to get elected. I always said when the Democrats allow and the left-wing media allow some of these stories about Hunter Biden to emerge, that's the beginning of the end of Joe Biden because he's severely compromised and also involved in unethical behavior and his son leading the way. Uh, when we come back, I go on the air with Stuart Varney, FBN and you. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. In a matter of moments, we're going to go on the number one show in Fox Business, and we'll share audiences, not only the Fox Nation audience, but, of course, the huge radio audience with all our affiliates uh, located right here in New York. And then Stuart Varney will be coming to me. And we're going to be talking about with the law and disorder in our country and let's listen in together. From those two Dow stocks. 10.51 here on the East Coast. That means it's time for Brian Kilmeade. All right, Brian, listen to this. I'm sure you've seen this. 14 people stole 120000 bucks worth of merchandise from a Louis Vuitton store near Chicago. Another incident in this mass looting that's going on in a lot of different places. What's responsible for this? Who is responsible for this? It's all what we're seeing. Also, you could roll video of uh, San Francisco where even more yep. cars involved and more money was involved. And keep in mind, Stuart, you and I could go and take up to a thousand just under a thousand dollars worth of merchandise. It's not going to be prosecuted. Why? Because there's a belief in these left wing uh, mayors uh, and DAs that uh, America is an oppressive country and it's time for minorities to get their fair share by stealing just about a thousand dollars from any store that they want and they will not be prosecuted. Remember, Think about how devious and divisive this is. We are not going to prosecute crimes. We're going to empty our prisons. We're going to have no cash bail. How does that all relate to Rittenhouse, uh, the Waukesha, what happened over the weekend, and the looting rampages that we're seeing? This is all predetermined. These are self-inflicted wounds. The best analogy, you don't give an arsonist credit for putting out a fire that they started. Now the president is talking tough on crime. Now the governor of California says he has no no make any excuses for looting. Really? You allowed all this to happen, and now you're pretending like you're outraged. I'm seeing the San Francisco mayor at London, London Breed. You know how London Breed is going to attack this problem? They're going to, eliminate, they're going to limit car access to the city's popular shopping district because they all pulled <laughs> up joke. in cars what and filled up their cars. What you talk joke. about taking on an issue head on. That's it. Plus, even if, every, if these companies had a ring doorbell... I know I could prosecute anyone stealing a package off my stoop. I could get the UPS guy. Believe me, they could get all these people in a matter of seconds. But we're in a period in this country where crime is A-OK. Yes, that's exactly where we are. I want to follow up on uh, Rashida Tlaib. She was questioned about a bill that she supports that would empty federal prisons in 10 years. Listen to what she had to say. Roll it, please. Oh, my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not what what I'm... 
That's yeah, it. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed keep, actually gonna, says release everyone. But in, in ten, 10 years. years, but think about it: who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers. Oh, I know. Child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? Because no, you endorse the bill. No, I I don't know what she thinks, but she wants to empty the federal prisons within 10 years. And that, to me, Brian Kilmeade, is utter nonsense. Think about this. This has been out there, her support and the squad's support for this ridiculous uh, idea to empty prisons in 10 years. And Jonathan Swan of Axios is the only one to really ask her and pin her down on it. She's yep. unable to defend her stupid policies. And yep. I don't say stupid because she's stupid. I'm saying this is so wrong, I don't even know where to start. Prisoners belong in prison. Ones that are not in, don't belong in prison have lawyers assigned to them. That's the way our system works. She has no answer to what about sexual predators? Uh, what right. about sexual offenders? Nothing. What about human traffickers? You never thought of them as categorized as criminals? Of course they're there. So she wants to point to a few people that are arrested under uh, false premises or approved through DNA testing that they don't belong there or taking a long time to be charged. But she's being pressed by surprise by a member of the media. Jonathan Swan's fantastic. I think we've all met he him. Is. He's, yeah. he's awesome. Good man. And I don't think she's even prepared to defend it. At the same time, AOC saying the same thing. And I ask you this, Stuart. Ron Klain has given the squad and the 93 members of the House so much power this administration. This country is vehemently rejecting it. Yes, We don't exactly. want the exactly. policies of an extremist on either side running the country. What more proof do you need? I've got one minute left, but I've got to get this in. New York is considering allowing 800,000 non-citizens to vote in local elections. Now you know why we've got an open border. The Democrats are importing voters. Last 30 seconds to you. In a sanctuary city, perfect storm, right? Yep. So this, to me, you have to have federal, the federal government's got to step in. There's right and wrong. An American citizen voting in an American election, I thought, was a given. That's why you try to become a citizen. That is one of the things that happens. It's, voting is taken away from you and you're a criminal. That was mm -hmm. once the debate. Now we have people who violated our laws, overstayed visas, and exactly. now we're going to say you're a non-citizen, but vote. Yep. And you know exactly how they're going to vote for exactly. people that are going to give and them that citizenship. You've only got to be in town 30 days, then you can vote. You can be a tourist and vote, for heaven's sake. Ridiculous. Brian, I'm out of time, unfortunately. But have a great Thanksgiving. And you we'll too, see you Stuart. I'll see you in the halls. And you he'll be wearing jeans. Uh, the one thing, that's the truth about Stuart, and he looks good in those jeans, uh, because he, like Sean Hannity, is behind a desk, and they can do whatever they want. I'm in full view, correct? You are, but I don't think you heard him. We brought him down too fast. He said you're actually inaccurate. He's now wearing back, he's back to full suits. Oh, he is? He is. Okay. Yes. But he does a hard thing. What? He uh, brings two outfits. Ah. So he comes in dressed like casual Stuart Varney and leaves, you know, works in, in formalized Stuart Varney and then cut, leaves as casual Stuart Varney. To me, where are my socks? Forgot my shoes. Where's my tie? <laughs> that shirt is dirty. Doesn't go with these pants. The tie doesn't work. I could, I would, it would be the biggest disaster. I'm a one outfit or go work out. Well, I'm going to dress up or go work out. Well, That's I, my decision. I think it's excellent that you know yourself well enough that it would be a disaster. Right. But, but does Stuart think he's like Superman? Like he changes into casual clothes and you won't recognize him? Right. Uh, he liked the Daily Planet. And yes. that's, we are the Daily Planet <laughs> we are. of news organizations Clark with Penn. the streaming service. Indeed. Right. Um, couple of things. Okay. Um, I'm just noticing, I'm just noticing now 
that we are uh, on Fox Nation, I don't think people are fully aware of that. The one thing that people are asking me a lot is, when can I see your show? I think that we should have commercials on television showing people that we're actually seen on Fox Nation. I agree. Maybe someone in management is actually listening to our show and might do it. I think they are. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. Hey, pick up the President and Freedom Fighter. I can personalize them if you want. Uh, they go to my local bookstore. If you go to briankillme.com. And uh, this way I can personalize and get them out for the holidays. Don't move. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in New York, back here with you. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks to everybody that has come out in Pensacola, in Fairhope, Alabama, over at the Villages, uh, where else was I? Orlando, Florida, on stage, who bought tickets when I talked about the president of Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the battle to save America's soul. A lot of people who follow the news care about our history, and we need to recalibrate what made America great. Not because we're perfect, because we try to be, and that's what I try to get through this story, two great American uh, men who might be the most valuable Americans uh, we've ever produced. So Dana Perino is going to be joining me this hour. And then at the bottom of the hour, David Harsani, he's uh, one of the finest columnists out there. He wrote the book Euro Trash, Why America's Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. And he's got a great column out uh, about uh, what is going on with the Marxist slash communist movement within this administration. And not to overstate it, but this Amarova, this woman who spent her formative years in the Soviet Union— is about to have one of the key positions in our financial sector unless some Democrats defect from her nomination. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There were reports that President Biden was telling allies that he's going to run for re-election in 2024. Can you confirm, is he going to run in 2024? Is he telling staff that? Yes, that's his intention. Well, do you buy it? I don't know. He says he's running again. Joe Biden tells all, going for another term. Panic among Dems, though, as polls show America is done with them. Is this a temporary dip, or are they primed for a 2022 knockout? Number two. These liberal prosecutors are basically treating even violent criminals like this guy, a repeat offender, a rapist, a child rapist, as no kind of threat to the public. But what we have here is these people treating bail as a get-out-of-jail-free permanently card. It's unbelievable. He was a violent, remorseless career criminal and became a leftist DA thanks to a leftist DA not keeping him behind bars, keeping a bail at $500, five are dead, six children are in critical condition, and over 40 injured on a holiday parade as he takes his SUV and just plows over, creating carnage and destruction in his path, all preventable. It is sickening. Number one. Where were the police? I didn't really think they got the support they needed. The National Guard should have been called August 23rd, but the city of Kenosha failed. Their, the community. Um, the governor, Tony Evers, failed the community, and there should have been a lot more resources to help with that. 
Yeah, that was Tucker and Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, he speaks, and I am sold. He did what he had to do, and he was there because the governor kept his cops back and the National Guard out. You'll hear, and you will decide. Dana Preen will be with us shortly. In the meantime, let's make some progress. Kyle Rittenhouse spoke, first off, on why he was there. He knew it was self-defense, and yet they came to his house at 6 o'clock in the morning. The FBI made the arrest, and he stayed in jail for over 80 days. And to this day, he cannot figure out why. And then he was constantly being defamed and mischaracterized, that he was in a militia, uh, that he was out there, uh, a white supremacist, that he was out there as a recluse, as a vigilante. And he was out there for this reason. Cut five. I didn't really think they got the support they needed. The National Guard should have been called August 23rd, but the city of Kenosha failed their the community. Um, the governor, Tony Evers, failed the community, and there should have been a lot more resources to help with that. So he went out, cut one, to help out. A lot of people are like, oh, Kyle had time to meet with his attorneys to come up with this amazing defense of self-defense. No, that's not the case. This has been 100% self-defense from the beginning. And I didn't know there was 100 cameras. I knew I was, but I did know I was attacked and I defended myself. I thought they came to the correct verdict because it wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Wisconsin. It was the right to self-defense on trial. And if I was convicted, no one would be able no one would ever be privileged to defend their life against attackers. And thank God they came to the correct verdict of a not guilty. Right. But what's so amazing to me is that his attorneys seem to be his own worst enemy, trading on his name, raising funds for their own defense while leaving him in jail. Cut 46. I was in jail for 87 days. And this goes as follows in with Lynn Wood, who Lynn Wood was raising money on my behalf, and he held me in jail for 87 days, disrespected my wishes, put me on media interviews, which I should never have done, which he said, oh, you're going to go talk to the Washington Post, which was not a good idea, along with John Pierce. They said I was safer in jail instead of at home with my family. And then after I'm billed... Your lawyer said that. My lawyer said that, John Pierce and Lynn Wood. That's pretty unbelievable. Kyle Rittenhouse speaking last night to Tucker, talking about the extremists on both sides taking advantage of him. Number one on the right saying this is self-defense, this is pro-gun. On the left, uh, he's a vigilante, should be jailed, and if he was black, he would have been, which race should not factor in this case, except for the fact that these were uh, riots with Jacob Blake uh, because of Jacob Blake's shooting when he walked through two tasers and cops were called there because he was about to beat up his girlfriend or was. With me right now is Dana Perino. Uh, she is set to host The Five, fresh off her show uh, shortly, and David Harsani at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Dana, did you have a chance to see most of or all of the Kyle Rittenhouse interview yesterday? I wasn't able to see the whole thing, no, um, but I caught up a lot this morning, and we um, played several of the clips. And we also interviewed it's two people, a former DA uh, for that district uh, who had a lot of facts, very helpful Helpful to us and to helping us understand. I mean, there's, there's. Because no we just justice. can't understand the five hundred dollar bail for this. No, it, I, I, and we also talked to former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, and they basically said there is no excuse for how the people of Kenosha were let down um, by the fact that there was just these late, lenient policies. One of the issues but, that, but they, Dana, is that everywhere in New York uh, City? We're I think it? I feel like it is in California. You know, whenever there's gun violence, the uh, there is expected. 
to be a conversation about gun laws. So uh, to me, it stands to reason that when you have a situation like this where there is a victim of a violent crime perpetrated by a criminal who has been let out on one of these bail reform efforts, that we should be able to have a national conversation about that. And we are, I think. And I I think that the only way that these families in Kenosha could actually get justice, aside from him being behind bars for the rest of his life, is if this led to actual change across the country. I I feel like it's very interesting going into 2022 in these elections. It's happening in the local elections, the state elections, at your city councils, where defund the police, nobody wants it anymore. The next... I wouldn't say no one. Cori Bush still wants it. Well, AOC still wants okay, it. Okay, but the, the voters are rejecting it. Like, even in Seattle, right? They said, no more. We're not going to do this. There's another election, December 7th, that Seattle has to go back to. They're going to ask this question again. They're telling the city council, we don't want it. So I, I feel like there's a movement afoot that is going to make it very difficult for the Cori Bushes, Rashida Tlaibs, and AOCs to be able to explain themselves on here. They do not... They are not on firm ground. I just to, just to cap off uh, when you were just putting your headsets on, it was nice of you to come up right away. Kyle Rittenhouse uh, was talking about Lynn Wood, and basically stuck him in jail for eighty four days and said that's best. That's the safest place for you to be. There's no reason we had to be there. They could have made bail while collecting money off his name. There should be an investigation in that. That was, and I looked at Tucker's face. It seemed Tucker was surprised by it. I did not know the details. I heard. I that didn't they, know that. Yeah. So here's more of that. Cut forty seven. 87 days of not being with my family for defending myself and being taken advantage to, being used for a cause by these by John Pearson, Lynn Wood, mm-hmm. trying to solicit, not solicit, trying to raise money so they can take it for their own benefit, not trying to set me free. So you think they could have raised the money for bail faster, but they didn't? Um, I believe it. I believe sometime in September, September 5th, I want to say, they had over a million dollars, and bail was set and able to be posted in September. So they could have had me sign the waiver for extradition and had me back in Wisconsin, and I could have been bailed out by mid-September. But they wanted to keep me in jail until November 20th. I know nothing about Lynn Wood wow. except for how ridiculous he looked pretending to be Donald Trump in between the election and the inauguration and how irresponsible the things he was saying and how they just said, we better get rid of this guy. He's saying crazy things. Even the Trump camp was saying that we got to shelve him. Think about this. I didn't know that. And that is incredibly upsetting. And you think like Kyle seems so much wiser than many 18-year-olds that you know. And I, I think I was part impressed. of it is that he spent 87 days in jail and he had to grow up real quick. And I, I, I just pray that for him having this acquittal, that he can go on with his life, achieve whatever he wants to achieve, and and try to put this behind him. Yes, but I would also like to see him actually call out some members of the media oh, yes. that defamed well, him, which would mean more publicity, like Nicholas Sandman did through yes. his attorney. and he says that, they, that he has really good lawyers working on that. Good. And it was one of the clips that we played on America's Newsroom. He said, because um, Tucker said, are you you're going to pursue this, right? And he said, there's really good lawyers working on it. Pressed again, he said, I'm leaving it to the lawyers, which I think is good, right? So he can he can trust that those lawyers will work on that, and then he can focus on his future. I just want to play one more cut from him 
on what his own attorneys were telling people. By the way, they sat him down with the Washington Post. He said, in retrospect, what was I talking to the Washington Post for? Right. Cut 48. Once I am bailed out, John Pierce said I was in an unorganized militia, which is just blatantly false. I didn't know what a militia was. And Wait, your lawyer said you were in a militia? John Pierce said that, and it's blatantly false. I don't. I didn't know what a militia was until after the fact, until... November like 25th after I was watching some of the interviews he did I was like I'm not in a militia I don't know what that is and I was like what the heck and I'm like no wonder people are saying I'm in a militia it's because he painted that narrative which he should never have gone there well and yeah it's untrue exactly well it sounds to me like maybe his lawyers should sue his previous lawyers absolutely right yeah, if they want to continue with litigation. I mean, absolutely. Sure. Between that and what the prosecution did with the video and with what MSNBC did by following the, the jury bus, maybe making them seem that maybe they're being pursued and their life might not be the same if they vote to acquit. So this been such craziness. To me, uh, I've never seen such a discordant response to a verdict where people are just ignoring the facts, claiming it's racist, saying if he was black, he wouldn't have got away with this. Once again, the white show, they want to take the, the law into their own hands. I'm sitting there. My jaw's been on the floor all weekend. I know. I'm, I sometimes have, um, I wouldn't say a tolerance for media bias, but I just sort of expect it. it. And I can like, yeah, yeah, you just, it just like kind of rolls right off me. Um, but not on this case. Uh, on Monday morning, I listened to this one podcast. Um, one of the broadcast networks has a quick morning update type thing. You're already on the air by the time I'm, I'm listening to it. Um, and it was so biased and against inaccurate Rittenhouse against or? Rittenhouse. Yeah. And I thought, wait, you're supposed to be the responsible, like, like the broadcast networks, right? Aren't you supposed to be responsible? Did you watch the same trial we watched? So I want you to hear it, Mark. This, uh, do you watch Sunday shows? No. Okay. <laughs> Did you used to? Always. Right. For years, that was my job. I had to. I will catch up with them. Later in the day, but I don't do it in the morning. Well, I find out like when you watch Chuck Todd and you compare him to uh, Tim Russert, Tim Russert was a must-see TV. I don't care if it's Dick Cheney No, the Sunday show, the, the influence of the Sunday shows has waned, although Chris Wallace's show is amazing. Right, uh, <laughs> because you know what he will do? He'll, he'll have opposition research sure. on every guest, and if you're a guest that has the answers and you do this for a living— you don't mind hard questions. If you have the answers, you don't mind it. And also, you know what you yep. said in 1980, and they're going to ask right. me about that again because this issue is coming up. And now I'm on the other side, for example, if it's on the filibuster. But Face the Nation finds themselves apologizing for this remark that they said and uh, just mischaracterizing the Rittenhouse trial. Uh, here it is. It's right With here. Brennan. Yeah, it's a flashback shot. Yeah, cut 18. In the chaos of Kenosha last August, Rittenhouse, then 17, killed two men with his AR-15-style assault rifle. He claimed self-defense. Rittenhouse drove in from Illinois armed for battle. He knew outrage already ran high. Two days earlier, a white cop had shot a black man seven times in the back. The officer was never charged. Okay, almost everything about that it's statement not was not true. And so this is what Face the Nation said yesterday. Today, uh, uh, he said, uh, coverage during the Face the Nation today of the protest following the verdict in the trial of Rittenhouse stated Rittenhouse drove in from Illinois armed for battle. Rittenhouse testified that he did, he did not drive to Kenosha with a weapon. It was not illegal for Rittenhouse to possess the particular weapon. 
We apologize for this oversight in our language. Well, can I add one other thing to you? There's the media part, but then there's also national prominent Democrats. So Sean Maloney is the congressman. Um, I don't remember where is he from, New York? Uh, he's in charge of the Democrats trying to keep their seats in 2022. So good luck with that. But the, he put out a statement that was so careless on Monday. Now, maybe it's his staff, but his name's on it. Um, and they said that the police officer, in regards to Jacob Blake, killed an unarmed black man. Now, none of, neither of those things is true. And you would think it doesn't take just but one second to read what the actual facts are. Jacob Blake was not unarmed. He was armed. He had a knife. And he did not pass away in the altercation. He's paralyzed. Yeah, right. very much. Uh, and he walked through two tasers. And the cops were called to the house because the people were fearing for their welfare. So um, I, I just hope the American people who are apolitical, who aren't involved with this like us, see right and wrong in this. When we come back, more of Dana Perino. I booked her and paid her fee for two segments. <laughs> she must stay. I will not leave. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Dana Perino uh, does not know. Uh, have we got this confirm? I'm on the five today. Oh, 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 yeah, I, I, I heard. I heard. Right. No, I, I didn't know that you were going to be on. I heard Greg is not going to be on. Right. So what's more important? Well, because, you know, he has two shows a day. Right. I understand. Uh, so do you. Yeah. Uh, and you, you don't complain. And you have eight hours between them. He has two. Uh, but Dana, in particular, I just want to talk to you really about uh, politics. And, and they're really pressing Joe Biden. And there's really a sense that they, he's got to commit to four more years. Do they want, do Democrats want him to commit for four more years? No, here's the thing. But that this is what's happening. No one believes that he's actually going to run in 2024. More than ever. They just have to say that because you cannot be a lame duck politician 10 months into your first term. True. And also there's too much turmoil within the Democratic Party. Um, Kamala Harris, imagine if he were to say, yeah, I'm not going to run again. And the next, the second question is, okay, so do you endorse Kamala Harris to be the nominee? And I would imagine they would say no. Right. Or if they said yes, there'd be more problems. So I just, I think that they're just having to say, yes, of course, he's going to run again to stave off the inevitable. So everyone's talking about Pete Buttigieg, but he was an epic fail. No, I think, uh, a, I think that's crazy. I feel like so that is like manufactured I, in a lab. By Democrats? Yeah, so some Democrats. Can you name two? Two Democrats that really have national goals and possibilities? Uh, I can name Governor Gavin Newsom. I okay. think that he would like to run. And possibly, this is not a household name, like a Tim Ryan from Ohio. He's running for Senate in Ohio. I think he probably does have presidential ambitions. Um, but are other prominent Democrats in that vein? No, it's going to be a fascinating primary. But I also think the Republicans have a fascinating oh, primary. Oh, I'm here for all of it. There's 12? There's well, 12 you know, if President Trump decides to run, I don't think there is much of a primary. Yeah. Chris Christie, Governor Hogan, maybe. Yeah, but that, that, yeah. So it's got to be Trump or nothing. Right. Dana, we're going to see you at 5 o'clock. Yeah, okay, I'll see you then. Best is three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. 
Uh, David Harsani should be joining us shortly, senior writer for the National Review and syndicated columnist. His columns appear in the New York Post. He's also author of a book that's also very appropriate, sadly, today, Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. And that's what the ideas are. Uh, what Europe, you know, you might say Marxist, well, that's extreme. But you think about Europe and the socialized programs that wipe out personal initiative and free enterprise in that continent who also likes to look down at us. He wrote a book about it and just talked about some of the things that they do and the misconceptions about how effective they are. So that is also good. He also wrote this column, came out 18 hours ago, about Al Gore. He wasn't a man about losing. Remember, he's still telling people the election was stolen, even though his uh, his objections were a lot uh, – not as vociferous as President Trump's. Remember how he took this right through the courts, uh, demanded these recounts, picked out the certain areas in which he did it, and then when he went to the Supreme Court and it failed, he never fully accepted that he lost. So for those people who don't want to give Donald Trump a second chance because he believes that he won his uh, run his reelection, you should keep that in mind in that perspective. So we'll see if David Harsani, we should catch up with him, but we booked him last night, and we should see him uh, uh, shortly. On the Rittenhouse stuff, this is one thing I wanted to bring up. I think the most interesting thing about the Rittenhouse thing, now that the verdict is out, and being that some people won't be convinced because they've been given misperceptions by other networks uh, who say this is white supremacy, this is a vigilante, he had 60 rounds, he put him into people, took an illegal gun across state lines, all wrong, wrong, wrong. Mark Richards pointed this out, who says he's a CNN guy, and that's why he went on with Chris Cuomo, said this on the story to Martha McCallum, cut 15. Just continues the false narrative that these things happened when they didn't. Kyle was a resident. Um, I shouldn't say a resident, but his dad lived there. He worked in the community of Kenosha County. Um, Most of his friends lived there, and his best friend lived there, and he spent a lot of time in Kenosha. The gun was never in Illinois. There's absolutely no evidence that he any ties or affinity to white racists, white supremacists. They looked through all of his phone, um, did numerous, I think, nine search warrants to try and find some dirt, and they came up with none because he wasn't. He was a police cadet, a fire cadet. Um, He was more interested in, you know, Blue Lives Matter and trying to raise money for law enforcement. So that's why he reported himself after. And he goes through in specifically. This is another reason to get Fox Nation. You can watch the whole primetime back. So last night I missed it. I watched it this morning. A, a pure Tucker Carlson interview written, uh, Rittenhouse and detail. And without the commercials, it goes right through where he details exactly who he shot, where he shot him. And it's backed up by the video exactly like he described it and why he did it and how he reported himself to the cops and the cops told him just go home. Then there'll be a knock at his door a few days later. They put him under arrest and they put him in jail. And as they raised money for his bail, they didn't use the money for bail. They said he'd be safer there. Now that is to me stuff for a, a made for TV movie that should never see the light of day in reality. That is just nuts. And now to try to convince, try to burnish racial strife, by saying this is something to do with blacks and whites when everybody who who was shot was white. And evidently this guy, I think Rosenberg, just got out of a mental institution, had a clear plastic bag with all his belongings, and was screaming out the N-word to him while he was trying to protect a car dealership, while he was wiping up the wall and getting rid of graffiti. Do I think it was a good move to go there? No. Would he ever do it again? No. His mom said it, and I'm sure he believes it. 
But his his motivations were pure. But you just know that if you're going into uh, a sports bar known for its fighting, uh, late night fighting, if you go in there to break up fights, you might end up in the middle of one. David Arsani joins us now, senior writer for the National Review. David, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and of course your book is excellent. You are trash why America must reject the failed ideas of a dying continent. Uh, David, first off, um, not exactly who I wanted to have you on, but when you saw the written bur- the written house coverage after it was done, barring this network, were you stunned at the misperceptions that people are allowed to foment around the country and fur- further polarize this and racialize something that had nothing to do with race? It is quite amazing. I, I was wondering when I was looking at that coverage, I mean, how many Americans actually know what happened that day? How many Americans know that that uh, Rittenhouse hadn't shot any black uh, protesters, but three white men who two of or, you know, who, all of them who tried to attack him and put it put his life in danger? Um, I bet you that it would be a pretty small percentage. And that shows that the media is just not doing its job. And it's dangerous. Don't you think this oh, yeah. the whole thing is dangerous? And, of course, there was a Democratic lawmaker who, who mistaked, uh, mistakenly tweeted out the relationship between what Rittenhouse did and what this, uh, this, this multi-by, multiple uh, criminal, this career criminal did uh, in, in, uh, in Wa- uh, Waukesha on Sunday, which we know was not, and, and one thing had nothing to do with the other except for going easy on criminals allowed Kenosha to take root, keeping the National Guard out, and letting this guy get out of $500 bail, who's been in and out of prison since 1999, two huge mistakes, but somehow related. Yeah, and it really strikes me that uh, a lot of the media, you know, goes on about how Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there, that it was, you know, that they, he shouldn't have been allowed to walk around to cross state lines. It's such a big deal with them. Um, and let's just say, let's concede that that's true, that maybe he shouldn't have been there. They don't have the same level of anger or, or concern over people burning down the city that he was he lived in. And they don't have the – you're not going to see the same sort of coverage about a guy who, ran, who killed five people who was let out on bail. What was it, $1,000? So, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this kind of like skewed coverage – it, 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 like you said, it feeds and propels the idea that we're some kind of racist place, um, that everything, all of this is racial, that everything's about identity, and uh, it, it, it ignores real criminality that's, that's dangerous in a, in a far different way. Right. Uh, David Harsani with us. David, I got to bring you to what you were saying about this Russia story. And it seems like all the awards that were given, all the storylines that will move forward, the ratings and maybe the advertising revenue were generated over a false narrative of the Donald Trump story from the FBI uh, to the Hillary Clinton camp to almost every major media outlet. They've spent three and a half years pushing a story that was rooted in, in total fiction. And is I'm wondering, and you write and speculate, is there going to be hell to pay for this outside the Michael Sussman who was indicted, outside the Dushenko, uh that was indicted for lying to the FBI? Well, there might be some price to pay as far as the people who in, engage in some sort of criminal activity, but there's not going to be any kind of self-reflection by the media who, who, who spread this story and who made it the center of our universe as far as political media goes for how many years? Four or five years? Yeah. I mean, there's not been a single real correction. There's not been a single investigation into how these sources who supposedly gave this to reporters, um, you know, burn them. There's not been a single person, even reporter who, you know, the main players in this who have come out and explained what happened. 
I mean, this is the biggest fraud, fraudulent story that we probably ever had in the media. I mean, you know, and, and no one's explained it. No one's explained how they've made the mistakes. That means that there's not going to be any, you know, self rehabilitation in these media organizations. No one's going to actually change the way that they do things. And it's going to happen again when it's convenient for them. Well, I think so. Well, I, I hope not, because I hope we'll be wiser than that. And just think about how much it's cost us and what a distraction it was on the world stage as we watched China try to lap us. Uh, militarily and economically and gain influence around the world. This is all related because when you're distracted, when you're spending your staff, when a lot of your friends and allies and and cabinet members are being indicted, I think that hurts the country uh, in the big picture. But I do think that you start your column with by saying Axios says there'll be some reckoning. I do think on some level there will be. The Washington Post did write how they were wrong about a few things, and I find it ironic. At the same time, people are discovering the duplicity and the dicey deals with Hunter Biden. Well, there'll be some reckoning in the sense that people won't trust the media anymore. There'll be a reckoning in that, and they obviously those numbers are in the toilet. But you know, you you speak about that correction, and I'm you know just slightly pushing back. Yeah, you're right. They did correct it, but the problem is those stories should have been retracted because the very uh, core of the story is wrong. I mean, I, I was a reporter for a, a years, and you can't if you have a story that that that's the entire premise doesn't make sense. You retract that story. You don't correct it. There's nothing to correct. Whole things needs to be corrected. Um, so I think that the, that the reckoning will come in the sense of uh, people just simply not trusting what media says. And that, as I've said, I think we talked about this before. I, I think that's a big problem in the sense that that void is filled by a lot of voices that are you know, conspiratorial or whatever, you know, you, you, we need a good media to tell that we can trust for the truth. And when you don't have that, that's bad for democracy and bad for the country. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the other the other story, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen, because it seems like Durham's been very slow and deliberate, uh, but direct with Michael Sussman and Dushenko. Uh, and of course, he had the one uh, criminal prosecution on the FBI agent who changed, uh, changed uh, some documents that allowed them to pursue Carter Page and get their uh, their FISA application uh, okayed, and that's going to be another story. But in the big picture, uh, when when another shoe drops, I imagine they're going to get closer and closer to Hillary Clinton to the point where I think Clinton is, is going to go directly back to it. I mean, you could point there now, but I think he's getting there. And if you want to diminish John Durham, the problem is almost everybody praised him from Eric Holder on down. So then they're going to have to contradict their own remarks about what a great investigator he was. <laughs> But you, you've seen it before, you know, if, if Mueller didn't come back with the right answer, they just pretended that he was, you know, all of a sudden he was this terrible, old, doddering old man who didn't know what he was doing. So they, they don't mind contradicting themselves. But it's going to be more difficult because this is really meticulously laid out so far uh, by Durham. So uh, we'll see. The problem, of course, will be that the coverage won't be there as usual. It'll be a few places that do cover the story and most places that generally ignore it or frame it in a way that makes it far seem far less uh, sinister. I mean, in my book, this is far. I mean, people say this all the time, so I hate it, but it's far worse than Watergate. I mean, you had the the intelligence agencies lying on FISA applications, using oppo partisan material to spy on the opposing campaign. I mean, this is just, you know, this is all the stuff that supposedly the kind of corruption that we that, you know, Democrats have supposedly been scared of forever with the spying. And all of a sudden they're fine with all of it. Yeah, it makes no sense. I want you to hear Adam Schiff. You, you, you wrote a column a couple of weeks ago about Adam Schiff keeps lying, for example. 
you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. First of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted. But you the may president have also spread Russian disinformation get... yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee Chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. Well, well, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, it's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. Mm -hmm. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele. But let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election. None of so, so he starts talking about Ukraine? One, one comment he made in a press conference as if Russia had to get the idea from Trump, and we know that they basically did nothing in the election to affect the outcome. So you see him scrambling. Does it amaze you he's only gotten that tough question on this? One? <laughs> I think both, yeah, the, this is the only time anyone's actually confronted him about what he did. And he's lying, by the way, when he, when he said, and you know this, but when he says that you know, it doesn't matter, or he didn't know that people were lying about this. He knew that the Steele dossier was an op opposition research paper paid for by the DNC and the Clinton campaign, and he read it into the congressional record anyway. In fact, as we all know, he lied and said he had in his possession evidence that showed that, that, that the Trump campaign had colluded, which we know is not true now. Uh, you know, his his contention that Trump's jokes in public about finding Hillary's emails. I mean, if, if Trump has been the spy for Russia, why would he ask them on a public television <laughs> show to spy? It makes no sense. Right. But, um, you know, listen, so he's he's a liar and he's treated as this saint uh, of democracy when he was just consistently right. mendacious and undermined uh, undermined trust in the electoral process over this paranoid Conspiracy. Theory. You have two strong storylines going at the same time. Your Euro Trash book really backs up the reconciliation package because it gets us closer to exactly what will hurt us most, according to your book, and that is socialization and the lack of free enterprise that could be embedded in our economy. And that's what Europe has. And number two, this European, this Russia investigation. Here's why it matters. If Trump runs again, and indications are this is going to come up again. At which time this will be the first time the story's in on his behalf. Instead of being something he has to run from. And I think that will bring this up and make people accountable. And the few fair members of the media will write that story. And the others will have to explain it. And they, I don't think they can. Uh, David, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You got it. one 408 7669 When we come back, we'll find out if there's indeed more to know. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The U.S. birth rate has now declined for the sixth straight year. The anti-baby trend looks to continue because a record number of adults who don't have children say they're not going to have them. According to a survey which asked, thinking about the future, how likely is it that you will have children someday? When asked why they're unlikely to have kids, 56% said it's because they just don't want them. For some reason, these people prefer sleeping, drinking, sex, extra income, nice furniture, weekend plans, and having more than 30 seconds to poop.
It was actually sort of funny. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I, I do think it's sad, don't you? I do think it's sad. Um, but what I will say, I actually always, Megan Kelly um, said this in an interview one time, that um, like she thought she didn't want to have kids. And then once she married her cousin, uh, current her husband, cousin. her cousin, no, her current <laughs> husband, Doug, it made her realize she just didn't want to have kids with her first husband. Right. I tell my a lot of my friends that who say they don't want to have kids. I'm like, are you sure you don't or you might just be in a bad relationship? Why would you say that? Then, you, then you're going to cause too much tension on their relationship. Well, like, no, but, hey, I thought about it. You're the problem. Well, I mean, I, I might say it's my nice way of saying I don't really like your boyfriend. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah. But by the way, uh, Megan Kelly's ex-husband, we no longer listener. I hope not. <laughs> or I mean, she said it in a public magazine, so oh, this okay. shouldn't be the first time he's hearing it. Next. We never called for more to know. Oh, more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. So I was watching the Manning cast last night and we'll hopefully watch the Giants upset the Bucks. It did not happen with Eli Manning and uh, Peyton Manning. But he had Bill Parcells on. He had Kevin Hart on. He also had Condoleezza Rice, who was asked about, who's a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan, about the shocking rumor that the team that she grew up rooting for is showing interest in hiring her as their new head coach. Remember, she used to review tapes with her dad when she was a little kid, and even today breaks it down with the NFL films. Listen. I'm looking in the background. I see that Browns helmet, and it reminds me back in 2018 when Adam Schefter reported that the Browns wanted to interview you for their head coaching job. Do you have any interest in being a head coach one day? I certainly don't want to be a head coach, but all I know is as a Browns fan, I would never, ever call a prevent defense. And so uh, uh, other than that, I'll leave it to the coaches. Uh, yeah. That was a really bad day. Well, next. Uh, Texas youth football team, I've never heard of this before, kicked out of the playoffs for being too good. Eight-year-old team is too good. The Flower Mound Rebels are 7-0, and have won their games by a combined 199-6 to points, including a 33-0 drubbing of the team coached by Rhett Taylor, the VP of the Keller Youth Association. So they kicked the team out. Do you believe this? I don't believe that it happened in Texas. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.